Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun like we do each and every Saturday. Thanks for telling your family and your friends. You're all honorary orthopedic surgeons in your family now. Because if your brother says, oh, my back is killing me, you go, hey, let me give you a clapper vision. Dr. Clapper. Your back is like a stack of Oreo cookies. The bones, the cookie, the cream fill, and they'll go, what are you talking about? And then you'll explain. You better listen on Saturday. And you can learn something. Damn right. That's right. What a topic we have today. I'm in Hawaii sitting on my surfboard. Thanks to the great Todd Cambinson, my brother from another mother. Sitting out at half a mile in the ocean. Waiting for the horizon to change. That board was 12 feet long. You know what 12 feet is? It's a basketball court, two feet higher. It's probably to the backboard. That's the size of the board I was riding in Hawaii, just like Duke Kahanamoku. And there it is. I see it. And it's dark. But I see the bump coming. And I turn that board. It's like turning an 18-wheel truck. And I start paddling. It's so big, it has a life of its own. I just get it going. And the other, there's a couple other guys, a couple other Hawaiian guys in the water. They're going, what is that crazy Howie doing? He's starting to paddle already? They don't know. I got a secret weapon. I got a 12-foot board. It moves like an aircraft carrier. And I stand up on that wave practically before it becomes a wave. And I stop paddling. I'm standing on it, and I'm feeling... The energy of God through the tips of my toes, up my shin, femur, pelvis. And that feeling goes right into my heart. And I don't need light because the sun hasn't come up yet. You know, the light I get is from these pearly white teeth. Smiling, so happy as I'm riding the energy in that wave. And it's like I'm a coal miner with a light on top of my head. Except my light comes out of the mouth, my teeth. The greatest feeling in the world. But in Hawaii, where I go, I will ride that wave for a quarter of a mile. No rocks, no boulders, no sharks. And looking up at Diamond Head. And just feeling like you're the luckiest person in the whole world. Now, and whoever was alive. That's how cool it feels. That's what a 12-foot board. I don't want to be one of these young guys snapping the wave and aerials and... You know what? You can keep your skateboard. Keep it in the sidewalk. Don't bring it into the ocean. You want to surf? 
You want the soulfulness of the ride. And ride it as long as you can. My friends will watch me. They'll say, you rode that wave all the way to the staircase. Yeah, because I ain't getting off until the wave stops. It's not about the number of waves you ride. It's about each wave you ride. I once asked my friend Jason, purebred Hawaiian guy, he's in his 70s. I asked his friend, actually, Bruno, why is Jason so happy? He's always happy. And Bruno said, Robbie, you know why Jason's happy? Because all he wants to do this morning is just catch one wave. That's it. He's done. It's like Carlos Santana. What are you searching for in music, Carlos? And Carlos Santana said, I'm searching for the perfect note. I'm still searching for it. I haven't heard it yet. If you just wanted just one thing, your life would be a lot less complicated and you would be happier. Michelangelo only used three different types of chisels. Every other sculptor used 50. He only uses three. When I do arthroscopy in the knee, the techs go, Dr. Clapper, the other surgeons, we've got 50 different tools we've got to use when we do the knee surgery. You only use three tools. That's right, because that's all you need. You don't need a lot. Make your, your life less complicated. Life lessons, that's what we talk about on this show. And today we're going to learn at 8.15 about another life lesson. Taking risks. Take a gamble. Trust me, it'll pay off. And I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. So I thought all week while I was on those waves in Hawaii, what am I going to talk about? Risk-taking, gambling. I got a poker player as a guest. I'm going to talk about Linda Ronstadt. I'm going to talk about this woman who took on pop, rock, jazz, big bands, Mexican ballads, children's, opera, Broadway. She was fearless in her career. Listen to this woman sing. Travels to the beat of a different drum. She travels to her own beat because she takes risks. Here she is sitting down for an interview many years ago for the station A&E. And the guy just says, listen, before we get started, nobody can do what you do. I'm talking to Linda Ronstadt. Her new CD is called Hummin' to Myself. Well, I made a list here. I got, I got to go through this because it, it astounds me uh, of all the kinds of styles that you've done in, in your life. And I, I just can't think of an artist that really has topped this. You've done rock, pop, jazz, folk, standards, operetta, Broadway, Latin music, country, children's music. What is it that gives you the courage to want to go out and do all these different kinds of genres and certainly do them so well? There was something just going on in the living room. My brother sang in a world-class voice choir. <clears throat> so 
you know, I got turned on to choral music, and my grandmother was an opera fan. You know, my one of my aunts would usually be be playing an aria from Bohem, singing it on at the piano, or my sister would be playing a Hank Williams song on the guitar, or my you know my mom would be playing ragtime, or she'd be playing something from Gilbert and Sullivan. We had a big book of it on the on the piano, I remember, and I learned a lot of the songs. My sister sang um, uh, the the part of Buttercup when they did Pinafore. It's her confidence, and it comes from her childhood and feeling confident and loving the passion for the music. I knew them all, and uh, a lot of them were songs that I learned as a small child from Peggy Lee or from Julie London or from uh, Ella Fitzgerald. You know, I never tried to sing anything that wasn't in the living room of my childhood home. By the time I was 10, if it wasn't there by the time I was 10, I don't try because I can't do it authentically. You know, I just don't know what I'm doing. She's authentic. That's exactly the word. And finally... I just love when she says this, Linda Ronstadt, these songs choose me, I don't choose them. That the song itself is a personality to her. Awesome. You know, he was an orchestrator and that's what we were doing, we were making a record with the orchestra. So um, that song didn't get recorded, and but it haunted me. and. Uh, it's that way with songs. I don't choose them, they choose me. In fact, they demand me to sing them. They, they, they yank at my sleeve until they rip it off at the shoulder, you know, until I have to sit, sit down and address it. And that was one of the songs that just wouldn't leave me alone. In fact, it was the reason why I went in and recorded this album. And because Nelson had died, I didn't want to work with another orchestrator because I felt like he was the best for that particular style of music. But, um, you know, it just slowly dawned on me that I could do a record with a small group. She's a risk taker, and she made it all happen. Platinum record after platinum record. She was the queen of every field she went into. Linda Ronstadt, a risk taker, a gambler in the world of art. In the world of sports, he was called a gunslinger because he took risks. Supreme confidence in his arm. His dad was a football coach, a high school football coach. Never paid him a compliment to his face. But one day he heard his dad telling the other coaches, don't worry, I know my son, he'll be okay, having to justify his son being a risk taker. Brett Favre's dad never knew that Brett was listening to him back him up, not to his face, but behind his back. And all those years later, when he gets into the, into the Hall of Fame, of all the stories in his storied career, it's the first thing Brett Favre says in his Hall of Fame speech, is how that moment in high school gave him the confidence to continue to be a gambler, to continue to be a risk taker, or what they call a gunslinger. You better have some Kleenex because this, this speech may make you cry. It reminds me of the Hall of Fame speech by Kevin Durant talking about his mom. He said, she's the MVP. He ain't the MVP. Well, I'm sure I'm on the radio because my dad loved the radio. And I hope he's proud of me. And I'm sure Brett Favre's dad was proud of him. The last high school football game of my high school career, and I overheard my father talking to the three other coaches, and he said, I can assure you one thing about my son. He will play better. He will redeem himself. I know my son. He has it in him. And I never let him know that I heard that, but I, I never forgot that statement. 
And I want you to know, Dad, I spent the rest of my career trying to redeem myself. Uh, but I spent the rest of my career trying to redeem myself and make him proud. And I hope I succeeded. You did, Brett Favre. He went to college. He went to southern Mississippi and took risks. He was a gunslinger. And he gets signed by the Atlanta Falcons, and the coach hated him. Jerry Glanville wouldn't play him, mocked him, made fun of him. But someone was watching him at Southern Miss. Someone knew how great he was while he was sitting on the bench at Atlanta, and that was Ron Wolf, the GM for the Green Bay Packers. And that very next year, he traded. He wanted Brett Favre to be his quarterback, to bring glory back to the Green Bay Packers. They hadn't had it since Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. Decades. He was a risk taker, but it paid off. He played in more consecutive games than any other football player. 321. Three consecutive MVPs. But here's the other statistic. He also threw for more interceptions than anybody else. Those coaches wanted to kill themselves. What kind of a risk taker are you? But you got to have that. And Brett Favre had it. I staked my career here on Brett Favre, and he didn't let me down. He was 248 pounds, and I think his diet consisted of red beans and rice and etouffee and barley and hops. And it was like, this guy, this guy's a quarterback. And so he was going to be the backup. Don Mikowski was an athletic guy who had made the Pro Bowl before. But um, it's all about making the best of your opportunities, right? And that came for Brett sooner than we thought. Third game, third game of the season. The superstar just went down with an injury. Mike Holmgren says to Steve Mariucci, the quarterback coach, is Brett ready? He can't even say his last name. They have no idea who he is. And then they're going, Oive, what is he doing with that football? But the Oive turned into the Hall of Fame. Mike Holmgren said to me, Steve, get Brett ready. And went, oh, geez, is he ready? And I went, yep. So I'm coming in. And most of the people looking in the program going, who in the hell is this guy now? How do you pronounce his name? They blitzed me every single play in that game until the last drive. Well, you got a minute seven. You still got a chance. If you score a touchdown and an extra point, you could win it 24 to 23. They allowed me to just kind of gunsling a little bit and just do what I do best and right down the field. Listen to what happens in his very first game. Marv steps up in the pocket, throws long upfield. There's Serving Sharp. He caught it. He's at the 50 down to the 47 yard line. And they got no timeouts. You got to hurry. Now he's back to throw. On the dad comes up over the middle. It is caught by Workman out of the 35. 29 seconds left. This wasn't just a Packers comeback. It was Favre's coming out party. Exactly. There's a man. He's wide open. Touchdown. It is caught. And the Packers have tied the game. These fans are going crazy. I mean, this thing is supposed to be over with. Send them back out to hold to win the game by one. And his hands came off the ball. And boom, we went 24 to 23. The Packers win it. How about that? That was Brett. He drove you crazy. He made great plays. There was a little luck involved. And the fans got a real taste that day about what his career was going to be like. But his coaches were not ready for that risk-taking, that gunslinger approach. I think Mike was tough on me, and he needed to be. The frustration I would have. Why doesn't we have, why didn't he, 
trying to kind of harness just this wild stallion. Hey, will you settle down, please? Now, are you all right? Yeah. No more rocket balls, please. Well, I've chained up. No, I know. I know. They're not wrists when you're so confident in your arm that it's like a laser beam. Listen to Steve Mariucci talk about how hard he threw the ball with such confidence. My guess would be that he's, he's had the strongest arm in the league ever. In practice, we had this young receiver caught a dig, boom, and his hands split right down between these two fingers. They had to stitch it up, put a cast on it, just for this guy to play. There were times where that arm strength would fit it in there between linebackers. He believed that he could always get it in there. So that's why sometimes he would take some chances. He felt he could make every throw at any time. That's exactly right, the confidence. And finally, who got to witness firsthand? Who knows Brett Favre and his risk-taking better than anybody, even better than Brett? His wife, Deanna. And here she is telling you. And here he is telling you, hey, these are the skills I got. I just wanted to win. He was risky. I mean, he was fun to watch because you never knew what he would do. I never did it because I just was bucking the system. It was only because I wanted to win. Goes back to the left. He can run. No, he's still with the ball. And he is caught from behind, got away. Still Wow. That's what you got to do in art, in sports, in surgery, and in everything you do. Plumbing, electrician, computer tech. I don't care what you do. Take a risk. Take a gamble. Life is way more fun. You may lose. I get it. But it's worth it. Coming up next, we're going to learn from a man who's an expert in that. The great Bob Golick's going to join us and talk about his world of being a professional poker player. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, Clapman. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. I'm winning. What are we winning at? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The game of life. That's what we're winning at. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. So I handed him my bottle. And he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette. And asked me for the light. And the night got deathly quiet. His face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up 
know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count when the deal is done. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You know who that is, the great Kenny Rogers, singing about playing poker at the table. And nobody knows what he's talking about better than my next guest. I'm so excited to talk to you. Bob Golick, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Good morning. Good morning. So, Bob Golick, how do you decide in your life that of all the things you're going to do, you're going to play poker? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? What'd your father do for a living? And how did this all happen to you? Well, I grew up in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, outside of New York City. Um, <clears throat> I think we're the same age, so it was really like the wonder years. Mm-hmm. At, uh, at 12 years old, the uh, Jets, the, the Mets, and the Knicks all won the championship, yeah. and uh, I became a lifelong sports fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I stumbled on poker as a hobby right through high school, college, and uh, my early career. Uh, I was in the food business. My dad was a uh, candy salesman, a food broker. And uh, I worked for him uh, during college breaks and after college. And uh, What does a a candy broker mean? What did he do? Okay, they were also called a manufacturer's representative, so you were a commission sales force that represented companies like Double Bubble Gum and Cracker Jack and Clark Bars. We didn't buy and sell the product. We we just uh, represented the companies for the New York metropolitan area. Wow. So, um, but we had the samples. So growing up, uh, every day was like Halloween. <laughs> My garage was filled with, uh, with candy. What we is your favorite popular. candy? Uh, and why? Only, uh, and why? Not only what is it, how come it's your favorite? Well, I always had a sweet tooth. I guess uh, they had an item called uh, fruit slices, really? kind of like uh, like a chuckles, and uh, I just always uh, fruit slices. That. So, so you were kind of uh, health conscious even at an early age. Well, I don't know how healthy that was. It was all, all sugar. But I did I did go into the health food business. Ah. I actually, uh, I, so you I rebelled. Rip- <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was 24, I started my own uh, my own company. Wow. And uh, which was a, a a risk, and then I sold it uh, when I was about 27 and oh, worked wow. for somebody else. Wow. And all this time I played poker, like on Friday nights or Sunday nights, just home games mm-hmm. as a hobby, mm-hmm. not as a serious uh, money-making uh, uh, objective. Hmm. And um, in the food business, I stumbled on, at, a, at trade shows in Vegas, I stumbled on poker mm-hmm. in the casinos. Mm-hmm. I had never realized that, it, you know, it was a, a legitimate legal uh you know, way to play. Hmm. And so every year when we went to the conventions in Las Vegas, <clears throat> I tried to play poker, but never had, had really the time to put in a, you know, a serious session. Hmm. And in 1990, 
I took a week's vacation by myself, and I said, let me go out there and just focus on this and see, you know, if it's beatable, if it's something I wanted to do. And it turned out it was the week of uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and I won every day. I won a thousand bucks a day playing low limit five and ten dollars uh, seven card stud, hmm. and I couldn't get my mind off this when I was coming back on the plane. I said a thousand a day. I only need a thousand a week. Mm. You know, I was single, and uh, I just basically changed my life. I went back to New Jersey. I gave notice. And I started making arrangements to move to Las Vegas and, and try this as a, a profession. This is unbelievable. That you got so, some big cojones well, to be able to do that, Bob Golick. Oh my God! Well, the funny part of it was uh, in March, I, I arranged to get to Vegas for for May first. So in March, I flew out again. I brought my golf clubs, a couple suitcases, put them in storage. And I found a rented apartment that I was going to drive across country and move into. So I got those errands out of the way, and I went back down to the Mirage. And same game I played in December, five and ten, seven card stunt, and I couldn't win. Oh, I lost every day that week. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Do I call my own bluff here? I hadn't even moved yet." Mm. And uh, it, it was a real rude awakening. Yeah. So what I realized was the week that I won every day was Christmas and New Year's week. I was playing with all the tourists on vacation, mm. and I was probably better than than the average tourist. But when I went back in March, I'm just playing with Las Vegas professional grinders, and I was the tourist. Got it. So uh, it, it woke me up. It actually, in the long run, it was a good thing because I realized it's not going to be that easy. Got it. And I started reading books about poker and talking to professionals and really taking it more seriously. All right, I got to ask you a stupid question because you're using the word poker. So I just need to get educated. Forget it. Maybe the, the listeners have a better understanding. You got someone and you've now been dealt five cards, three cards. Well, what's poker? I mean, how many cards? And you're well, looking at them and you want – a pair, you want three of a kind, four of a kind, you want them all to be the same color, a flush, you mm -hmm. want them to be in order, a sequence, I don't even know what that's called, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or whatever it is. That's is that straight. poker? Yes. Five but cards. There, there, are different, there are different types of poker. There, there's um, Hold'em is the most popular game now where you only get two cards. Two cards. And there's five community cards. So you use uh. your two, and everybody shares the five in the middle. And that's, that's Texas Hold'em. Yes. Got it. And that can be played limit or no limit. Okay, and so teach, teach me now. All right. So there's there's five cards on the table, and you now got two, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. I, and my friend Jeff Grogan is convinced that there's actually a skill to this. To me, if you get two aces... You don't need a skill. You're going to win the, you know, if you get three of a kind, like it's over. But he says, no, Robbie, that's wrong. This guy, your guest who you're going to have on, he could beat you if you got two aces and he's got bupkis, he's still going to beat you because it's a skill. What exactly, Bob Golick, is Jeff Grogan talking about? What is the skill that you possess? 
Well, a lot of it is experience, just having having played for a long time. But there is still plenty of luck in poker. Mm. And the greatest player in the world is not going to win every hand. Mm. He's not even going to win, uh, you know, two out of three hands. Mm. But because the cards go around, they break even. Mm. And to be a successful winning player, you can't just wait for the cards. You have to do some things different than everybody else. Do you wear sunglasses when you play? Uh, I did not, but a lot of people do. That's part of the the TV um, trend mm. with the no limit, <clears throat> the no limit hold'em, which which is the TV game, which just came about really in the early two thousands. Mm. It was always the World Series of Poker main event uh, game, mm. but it was there were no regular games in the casinos. All right, until... Bob Golick, can you stay on the line? I gotta t- pay some bills. I have to take a break. I just I gotta ask you. I have so many more questions I want to ask you because you really are our sensei. You are a guide to all of us because the the secret behind how to make an educated guess or decision, we all, life is luck. You know, tomorrow you could have a heart attack. You drop dead. You don't know. It's luck how long you're going to be here on some level. But you can actually guide us because of the route you took in life. So can you hang on? I just got to ask you a few more questions. Sure. All right, we're listening to Wisdom from the great Bob Golick here on the Weekend Warrior Show. Coming up next, we'll continue with him. The number is 877-710-ESPN if you want to weigh in as well, and certainly for some clap revision. So I handed him my bottle, and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette and asked me for the light, and the night got deathly quiet. His face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page Also Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar And you'll see Doc's picture in the listings And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page on it's max you know there's no better way to start your saturday morning than with my friend dr clapper and the weekend warrior show what's going on la this is kobe bryant when i see the food i eat it bada boom start your weekend off right listening to the weekend warrior show with dr clapper is i'm on a light diet i only eat when it's light out bada boom every saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m on espn 710 home of your los angeles lakers Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Lady Gaga, Poker Face. I don't think she knows anything about poker, but Bob Golick knows a lot about poker. So, Bob, I have a caller who just called in and wants to know, how do you become a pro poker player? How does how do you do it? Well, uh, it's not the type of thing you have to, uh, you know, officially become a poker player. Uh, become a professional you just take your money and sit down uh, with the boys and uh and you quit, you uh, quit your job you get an apartment you bring your golf clubs and that's it yeah um <laughs> and 
you know, I rented my apartment. My I had a condo, and I rented it for six months uh, back in New Jersey because I was not uh, sure it was going to work out. Mm. And the tenant stayed about seven years. <laughs> and, uh, it did. Uh, uh, part of what made it uh, successful was moving to Los Angeles. Mm. Because I, I wasn't even aware at the time that L.A. had card clubs. And Vegas, it can be a little tough, especially uh, when it's not a ho- you know a holiday week or mm-hmm. convention week, and it's just pros beating each other up. Mm-hmm. L.A. being so much bigger than Vegas, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, just wealthy uh, individuals that like poker as a hobby, like Jerry Buss, so, like the owner of the Lakers. Uh, yeah, uh, Jerry, uh, Doctor Buss was uh, was great for poker. Did he you really play him? enjoyed the game. I played with him uh, many times. Uh, really? uh, rest his soul. Uh, he always liked to play in the biggest game, and uh, you know to challenge himself. And uh, he was a, he was a great guy. He, he he wasn't above anybody. He was a great yeah. guy, but obviously not. You're not saying he was the greatest poker player. He 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 held his own. Did he? Uh, you know, he was actually very conservative in poker. Hmm. But he did. What he did like to do was uh, raise the stakes. <laughs> so he tried to get, uh, you know, as many of the. the he would bluff you. He could our... scare you. He used that part of yeah, poker. Well, get us a little bit uncomfortable, right? You know, with the with the stakes. Hmm. But uh, he and his uh, his partner uh, Frank Mariani played poker quite often, hmm. and still does. And uh, they were great. Uh, because they're great, you know, they were great for poker. Do you have a favorite set of cards? Do you like the flush, the colors? Do you like the straight where all the numbers match up? Do you have a favorite sequence uh, after all these years? Not really. Um, My main game was seven-card stud, which is not the TV game. That's when you get get two cards down, four up, and the last one down. Mm. And you bet on each round. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have to really just play the uh, play each hand differently. Mm. You try to uh, you try to figure out what your opponents might have. Mm. And then uh, there's there's many different strategies. There's, you know, betting, check raising. Uh, Folding is uh, an underrated uh, move because a bet, you know, a bet saved. By not playing every hand is uh, is the same as a bet one in the long run. Hmm. So you have to. Uh, All right, here's a crazy question, you know, Bob. This is Linda Ronstadt. I'm just playing this soundbite because we love Linda Ronstadt, and she was a gambler with her career. But she says in this soundbite that she doesn't pick the songs; the songs pick her. Listen to this. You know, he was an orchestrator, and that's what we were doing. We were making a record with the orchestra. So. Um, that song didn't get recorded, and but it haunted me. And uh, it's that way with songs. I don't choose them; they choose me. In fact, they demand me to sing them. They 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 yank at my sleeve until they rip it off at the shoulder, you know, until I have to sit sit down and address it. And that was one of the songs that just wouldn't leave me alone. In fact, it was the reason why I went in and recorded this album. And because Nelson had died, I didn't want to work with him. All right. Do the cards ever talk to you? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't experienced that, but, uh, what gives you a signal to keep going uh, when you got like a medium hand, not the greatest hand, not the, 
like the 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 worst hand. What is it that speaks to you in like the eyebrows of the guy sitting across from you? Are women yeah. more scary to you well, than men when they play poker? What's what's your feeling about the person sitting across from you? Well, in time, you you get to know your opponents. In mm-hmm. in most scenarios, it's the same players or a group of players that you've you very rarely in the higher limits see somebody that's totally unknown to everybody. Hmm. So you get to uh, kind of keep a mental book on everybody, what their tendencies are, hmm. uh, looking for weaknesses, uh, strengths. Did you ever play Phil and, Ivey? Uh, I did. Uh, I, actually, before he was known, hmm. uh, I... I played Phil Hivey heads up for about an hour at the Bellagio when it first opened. Hmm. And I was already living in in L.A., but I went back to uh, Bellagio on a weekend when it had first opened, and here's this Phil Ivey. Uh, the, the stud game had just broken up, and he was standing around waiting to play. Hmm. Uh, so I, you know, this is one of the rare people that I didn't know. So I said, I'll play this kid. At the time, uh, you know, the younger a player was, the least experienced they were. Mm. So we sat down and played, and he was so aggressive. He really was one of a kind. Really? And it took me about 45 minutes to realize that I had no edge here. And, uh, you know, I didn't – I don't remember the exact uh, result of the game, but – he was quite a guy, and he still he still is. I mean, he's plays in the uh, in the stratosphere now. Hmm. Uh, he, and uh, are you impressed that I even know the name of a single poker player? I mean, that's like well, I only know his name. Be the one. He's yeah. the one, right? Uh, well, nowadays he is. Yeah, hmm. uh, I had a good friend uh, named Danny Robinson who passed away a few years ago, hmm. and Phil learned a lot about stud from Danny, and. They had some similarities. What is it that uh, makes a good just, poker player, Bob? T- teach us that. Well, <clears throat> initially, uh, the, the qualities are are math and psychology. Hmm. But when you get to the higher levels, everybody knows the math. Hmm. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a player that doesn't know the math and is going to just chase every opportunity to make their hand, regardless of the odds, uh, you're going to take advantage of that. But you don't find that uh, Hmm. when you're playing high limit with professionals. Hmm. So then it just becomes a game of psychology and and acting. Really? uh, Acting? uh, How do you like that, Steve? Yeah, because, you know, they're trying to figure you out, so you you want to uh, throw them off. You want to act uh, strong when you're weak and weak when you're strong and, Bluffing. Try and figure out if they're doing the same. And uh, it becomes a real meta psychological game. Uh, Or is body language helpful to you in terms of can you see if they're tapping their – I mean, what do you look for? Are they tapping? Are they scratching their face? Uh, Like what is it that you think you now – well, you can't reveal it because I'm afraid you're – competitors would be listening and they would know this about you but what do you look for in your competitor that that tells you that they're nervous that someone like me would go what are you talking about yeah. there, there are there are you know whole books on um, what they what you're referring to it tells 
mm. and it's physical mm. uh, signs, mm. and they're different for for each player. Mm. And the and to hide your tails, if you have too obvious a tail, you're you're going to go broke pretty quickly. Mm. But if you are advanced, uh, now you have to look out for a player's trying to put out reverse tails. Mm. They're faking the tails. Mm. So um, it, it, it's not just simply one thing, twitching or tapping, but, but there are some basics. Mm. If somebody's talking too much, they might be bluffing. They might be a little uh, nervous, trying to uh, distract you. You know, in college, um, if they got- in college, I was the cartoonist for the Columbia Daily Spectator. So as I'm listening to you speak, Bob Golick, all I'm thinking is the cartoon that I would draw, which is four cats, literal felines, meows, sitting around a poker table. You know, the the velvet, they always painted the dogs playing poker. But I would actually do with cats. And because if you ever have held a cat and the cat enjoys it, they start purring. So it would be a cartoon about four cats and one of them is just purring with his you know, his hand of cards, and you know that he is bluffing because he has four aces or whatever. But, yeah, I guess that's the tell. You could hear the person purring in a humanistic type of way, and that gives away that they have a good they have a good hand. But it sounds like Dr. Buss was great at intimidation by just having more money than everybody else, um, which is good and bad, because I imagine if you played someone like Dr. Buss, you could actually win a boatload of money. Yeah, well, he played limit poker, so it wasn't the type of it wasn't oh, okay. no limit where you put it all in on one hand. Got it, got it. But he wasn't a big bluffer. He was a very conservative player. Hmm. Who else when, did you when, play with that we know? What other celebrities? Um, well, uh, Manny Pacquiao used to play a lot at the at the Commerce Casino with really? uh, where I worked for you know up until COVID for about twenty years hmm. and. Uh, he would come in on a Saturday night with about 25 of his entourage wow. and they wouldn't play. They would just eat and, and watch and sit by the wall and Manny would play. Wow. And, uh, he's the same guy you see on in, in the boxing match, always smiling. And, uh, wow. he was there to have fun and he wanted to gamble, you know, his entourage, uh, they all had his money. So he, he couldn't really play with them at, at a home game. Mm. <laughs> but he so he would come into commerce and and play with us on the weekend. Wow. Um you know what's the, great Bob poker- you did you're doing what you love to do and it happens to be something that there's no way in a world I would actually do with cards. But wouldn't you agree you're each of us no matter what we do for a living we gamble. We take risks and we probably have to be better at the tells and seeing who we're going up against. And if you're actually given a lousy hand, you need to be smart enough to say, guess what, I shouldn't be playing right now, right? I mean, I think that's the lessons of life that we can learn from you. Uh, exactly. You, you can't play every hand, and uh, you want to be selective and play the ones with the most uh, potential. Hmm. Um, Those are your words of wisdom to all of us, huh? Yeah. All well, right. it, it, one of the things about the being a professional poker player, which is unusual, uh, maybe maybe day trading with uh, stocks would be the closest thing, hmm. but where you get a score every day, you know, you have an end result. Hmm. 
Mm. Most jobs, you know, you get paid every week or every two weeks, and you know what you're earning, mm. you know, in a, a year or a month, a week, but not every day. Mm. And, and with poker, it's, you know, you can win 5000 on Monday and lose 10 on Tuesday, and mm. it's up and down, mm. and you really have to have the stomach for it. Uh, you're not going to win every day. And the idea is to maximize your your good days and minimize your your you know your down days. To, I can tell uh, you this, Bob so Golick, as a surgeon, I have to win every single day. Every single piece of advice I give, yeah, every you, surgery I do, uh, I, there's no room for anything but perfection. And uh, it's funny, I can take risks. And you have to, as a surgeon, you have to bet, all right, the artery's not there, the nerve's over here. I mean, but they're calculated risks, and experience really makes a difference. And it is a hand of cards you've been dealt because not everybody's anatomy is the same. In fact, your right shoulder is completely different than your left shoulder in the same person. Even if I did your right shoulder surgery, I need to expect something different when I operate on your left shoulder. So as a surgeon, it's it's there, the risk-taking and the gambling, but... You certainly, there's no room for you to be wrong, that's for sure. Listen, yeah, so, I want to thank yeah. you. You Being a guest and inspiring me to look into Linda Ronstadt and Brett Favre, this was a hoot to be able to make a show about risk-taking and gambling. And I want to thank you so much for getting up early to be with us to educate us. Well, it's been my pleasure. <clears throat> and uh, I've listened to your show for many years and will continue to do so. I appreciate and, it. And uh, thanks for giving uh Poker, a little, a little shout out. <laughs> it's and, my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> my pleasure, Bob. Okay. Have a good day. God bless you. I appreciate it. All right, Warriors, the number's 877-710-ESPN. Wow, the life of a pro poker player. It's a fantasy for a lot of you, but tread lightly. He's really good at it. I'm not so sure everybody would be so good at it, but we'll get into it, and I got to tell you how to make the greatest chocolate milkshake that you will ever have in your life. Like the one I had in Hawaii last week at the Kahala. I'll give you a clue. It involves Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream. Coming up next, we'll get into it and we'll cl- open the clinic, do some clapper vision. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. I want to roll with him, a heart that we will be. A little gambling is fun when you're with me. It's on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Dr. Clapper. And I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, it seems to be a doctor flapper craze. I'm a flapper, he's a flapper, she's a flapper, we're a flapper. Wouldn't you like to be a flapper? I'm a flapper, he's a flapper, she's a flapper. If you drink doctor flapper, you're a pepper to be a flapper. Drink doctor flapper, be a flapper. 
This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's my, not childhood, but Linda Ronstadt. Just sings with supreme confidence. In doing the research for the show, a lot of the musicians, chauvinist pigs, basically, like they felt, ah, they wish they were with a different band because... They wish it was a male singer in front. She would sell out stadiums. How dare they? This girl is a force of nature. But you got to have some thick skin if you're going to be a risk taker and a gambler like her. And Brett Favre, same thing. That's why he started to cry at his Hall of Fame speech. It was about his dad. But it's also about you got to have some thick skin. Because people are doubting you and calling you names. But don't let them. Have that supreme confidence. And you'll get there. And you'll sound like this in your own way. All right, let's take a call before we shut it down for the... We have a few minutes left. Let's go to Al in Huntington Beach. Al, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, I have a bad, bad right shoulder. I've had two surgeries on it. I just... Uh, two months ago had PRP. Waste of money, waste of time. As we say in New York, Al, I ain't from Huntington Beach. I'm from Far Rockaway. You know what I would tell you with that PRP in your shoulder? Forget about it. Get out of here. <laughs> it right. ain't going to work. You, why don't you take your wallet? You're driving on the freeway. Take your wallet. Take the money out. And just throw it out the window. That's basically how I feel about you getting a PRP shot in your shoulder. So here's the key. Okay. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm a retired fireman. I'm 70 years old. I surf. I kayak. All right. I, I, I used to do all that kind of stuff. I snow ski. I, I'm well, very active. Thank you for saving us for, uh, for all these years, and I take care of a lot of firemen, and one is sweeter than the next. It's just a beautiful thing. My favorite fireman is Robert Fabre, by the way. He's in Torrance. Love him. But okay. you, um, you, you really need... Not as much an x-ray, which you do to look for bone spurs and all the rest of it and what I can see on the x-ray, but the most important thing you need, and you do not need dye injected into your shoulder, but you need a plain MRI, and this is what I I would like to do with you, okay, young man? I got the the results of one sitting right in front of me. All right, read me the impression. Read slowly so I can interrupt you with clap revision. Go to to the impression. Let's go. Impression. Acromavicular joint, osteoarthritis of the glenohumeral joint, mild. Okay. Full thickness supraspinatus 
tear. Yes. Infraspinatus tendonitis, supraspinatus tendonitis, teres major tendonitis. All right, so let me just tell you right now. Impingement syndrome. Let me just tell you right now. Whoever's reading that is terrible because the information that they're leaving out the location of the tear. Yeah, okay, you got a full thickness rotator cuff tear. You're 70 years old. Fine. There's most 70-year-olds have that. What I need to know is the viability. How healthy is the rotator cuff that remains? So you need to see the key word, atrophy. Here's the other key word. Where did the bungee cord, which is the rotator cuff, end up once it snapped? What's the location of it? How coiled up is it? So... Every single patient I see, Al, I'm not just relying on the radiologist to read to me. I don't trust anybody. Like I told you, I'm from New York. Forget about it. I need to read it myself. So you win the prize today. You want me to help you? I'd be happy to help you. Honored to help a fireman who's 70 years old. You bring the study. Call my office. Tell Arnie, because otherwise they'll make you, make you wait six months. Tell Arnie I said it's okay. And you come and see me, and I will guide you in terms of what to do. No more needles. No more shots. You already had two surgeries. Enough already. Someone's taking advantage of you. And i already telling you right now, I don't even like the way the MRI has been read because the, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. This radiologist is not known enough to tell you the key things that you need to see. Is there atrophy, and where did the tendon wind up? Is it all the way back to the glenoid? Or is it just pulled away a little bit, which means it's repairable even in a 70-year-old, which I doubt. I think you're probably going to end up needing a reverse shoulder replacement. But you know what? Maybe not. There are a lot of 70-year-olds I see who have shoulders that look like a 40-year-old. So it's not fair to you to do this over the radio. You'll come if you want. You can make the drive. Not that I'm soliciting patients. I got plenty. But I'm happy to help you as a tribute to you for saving us for all your years and all your career. In my opinion, you've already had enough monkey business. It's time for the monkey business to stop. Okay? Okay. All right, Al. Look Are forward to meeting you in person. I'm going to shake your hand. All right, man. Thanks. Right. Thanks for the help. You're well. welcome. My pleasure. All right, Warriors. Next week. Next week, we got a superstar, a young one, a rookie of the year. He's first starting out here in Los Angeles as an orthopedic surgeon, and I love this guy. That's what I want to talk about next week. The Kobe Bryant of orthopedics as a 17-year-old in art, in sports, and in my world of orthopedic surgery, when a superstar starts out on their career, Stevie Wonder, Kobe Bryant, Dr. Eitan Debbie. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Until then, I leave you with Volare which means I'm singing and I'm flying in Italian. And that's what we do every Saturday. And thanks for tuning in. See you next week on the radio. on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.